0: Today's episode of the Film Stage show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com/filmstage. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast from FilmStage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Bill Graham. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Uh, Robin Barr is not here today. She boo, 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 Are you booing her, or are you booing her absence? <laughs> her absence. Okay. All right. That's, I just want to be. I just want. To I, I figured.
1: I figured that was clear. But yes, I. I, I get
0: it. Yeah. All right, um, but yeah, she's out here. She's at a concert. I am unaware of what concert it is. Uh, I hope it's a mediocre one because she. I hope it's a Papa Roach guys. concert. Honestly, Hell yeah. um, t- I hope it's just a, a, a hanging big mouth Billy Bass that sings the fillet of fish <laughs> song. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, so that's
1: what that goddamn song is. Okay, all right, all
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> the most of this podcast will just be us talking about the fillet of fish song. Um, <laughs> We're here uh, with a guest today, uh, because Robin's gone and also because we try to have a guest on every week. And that guest is Mitchell Beaupre. Hello? Hello. Did I do that right? I got your name. Yeah, right? yeah, perfect. Perfect. I was, I was... We checked
2: it. We checked it 10 minutes ago, thought maybe maybe we could come off the come off the rails by the time we started recording, but you got it. Nailed it. Yes.
0: I we we nailed it down, and then we had a whole conversation about how. Even when we do it, we still mess it up anyway. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do exactly that thing. But we didn't. Uh, Mitchell, would you like to introduce yourself to our listening audience?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm Mitchell Beaupre. I'm the senior editor at Letterbox. I write stuff for Letterboxd. I also freelance out at other outlets, including the film stage, uh, Pace Magazine, The Playlist. Um, yeah, I do podcast
0: appearances such as this and others. Nice. Letterbox, a fantastic tool Especially for people who have to vote for end of year awards. Very, very true, yes. <laughs> every once in a while in our Slack, which, by the way, you can join by going to patreon.com slash the film show. Um, for as little as $1 an episode, you get access to our Slack channel. And every once in a while in the Slack channel, someone who pays for the pro of letterboxed, which is something that I do, will post and be like, i don't know how but somehow renee zellweger is like my most watched actor and like my most watched director is this guy i've never heard of because i somehow also log all the commercials i watch (laughs) and it's just it's always one of those things where it's like if you're bored and you decide to click on your data you're not going to be bored long
2: yeah it's i still will do like deep dives through my own stuff just to like I've like seen them a thousand times before, but still do it just to like remind myself. And it's like, yeah, I mean it is it is fun to see like, <clears throat> oh yeah, I watched, you know, 10 Jim jarmusch movies this year for whatever reason.
0: <laughs> I must be clinically depressed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. I don't know why I would choose clinical depression to be a Jim jarmusch thing, but I yeah, you just uh, want a vibe. Yeah. I <laughs> just want something to make <laughs> me feel happy. But anyway, we are here talking about clinical depression. We're here today to talk about, on the count of three, uh, the directorial debut of Gerard Carmichael. um, And this movie stars Gerard Carmichael and Christopher Abbott, uh, as well as a couple other people that uh, we will talk about. Um, Before we get into that, the usual stuff, uh, I've already plugged Patreon very organically. Patreon.com (laughs) slash the film stage show. Um, in addition to that, we are brought to you by Movie, curated streaming service that showcases exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, a Movie premieres a brand new film. Whether it's a Thomas classic, a cult favorite, or an acclaimed masterpiece, it's guaranteed to either be a movie that you've been dying to see or one you've never heard of before, and there will always be something new to discover. With Mubi, each and every film is hand selected, so you never spend more time looking for something great to watch. Instead, you'll actually be watching something great. It's like your own personal film festival, streaming anytime, anywhere. Uh, some of the stuff that's on movie is really quite wonderful. We've got Happy Hour. <laughs> I love, and you know, movie sends me the stuff. You know, the 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 plot summaries and everything, like some flavor text. And I love that this one starts with "Don't balk at the runtime." Awesome. <laughs> so, Bill, yeah. you know that that's not just me making fun of you. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs>
1: Look, I, know. <laughs> I, I maintain it is if if the runtime is worth it, I'm okay with it. But if the runtime is worth it, once you pass that two hour point, you get significantly worse.
0: Yes, exactly. It's either gonna it's either gonna be fine or it's gonna be the worst thing ever. But it never makes it notably better. But anyway, right. Yutsuki Hamaguchi's compassionate drama of four thirty something women offers rare emotional and psychological intimacy in its group portrait of these friends. It's ambitious. And immersive storytelling make it one of the best-kept secrets of 2010 cinema. I'll tell you what, it's not a best-kept secret if you know Jordan Raup. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it man. is also
2: a great movie. I mean, strap in, strap in for five hours of it, but it's it's a very good movie to check yeah. out.
0: Take the day off work. Yeah. <laughs> G- give your kids to your parents and watch Happy <laughs> Hour. A movie that is named Happy Hour should not, it, yeah, be five hours. A little long. bit, a little bit
2: mis-selling itself there, misrepresenting, but it's right. worth it. I think <laughs> Happy Five Hours.
0: Like yeah. I'll give a movie that's called Happy Hour, like an eighty-six minute runtime because you got to get to the Happy Hour and then you got to wrap up with everyone leaving the Happy Hour. But the bulk mm. of it should still take place during the Happy Hour. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we previously talked about the worst person in the world, and um, we've got by the same director Oslo, August thirty first, and that is from uh, twenty eleven, and that is also on the the movie. So go to mubi.com slash filmstage for a free thirty day trial of movie. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage for a free thirty day trial on us. Do it now. Um and that is that so unless we have anything else to talk about uh we can jump into our review of on the count of three does anyone have anything to say before we begin no let's do it all right sweet here is the trailer of course it starts with a trigger warning (laughs) which i totally (laughs) forgot about cut my
3: No breathing,
0: don't What? No. It's a song about suicide. You can't listen to music that exactly describes the emotional thing you're going through. You know how cheesy that is? Mm. I don't listen to Alanis Morissette when I'm going through a breakup, and I'm not listening to Papa Roach on a day I'm going to kill myself. I get that you've been in like a little bit of a slump lately, but suicide's not the answer to that. I know you think you can solve all your own problems, but that ain't working for you. Go talk to someone.
3: I'd like to make a return.
0: This has been a lifelong thing for me. You don't know that things will get better. You tried it, Kevin. All right. that is the opening for the trailer for On the Count of Three, which we are here to talk about today. Um, This movie uh, follows two lifelong friends who decide that today is the day that they are going to kill one another. It is a comedy. I'm not joking. Um, And again, the movie directed by Gerard Carmichael uh, stars also Gerard Carmichael, as well as Christopher Abbott, and uh, is a screenplay by Ari Katcher and Ryan Welch. And uh, we're here to talk about it. So we begin, as always, with our nutshell spoiler free review, before moving on into the spoilers and the details and such. And we begin with our guest, Mitchell, what are your thoughts on On the Count of Three?
2: Yeah, I really, I really dig it. I um, I first saw it at Sundance 2021 when it premiered, and it was my favorite film that I saw at Sundance. Uh, I was super stoked for it to get released, and it's been a long wait, um, like a year and a half for it to finally come out. And I'm, mean, I'm really excited that it finally is out. And yeah, I saw it again a couple weeks ago, and it resonated for me just as much as it did the first time. You know, I mean, you mentioned that it is ostensibly a comedy. And I think that it, one of its greatest strengths is its ability to balance, you know, the, the comedy of it, this very dark comedy with the pathos of the story of two guys who are planning to suicide each other. Um, and it doesn't, I feel like often with films trying to depict suicidal ideation you can kind of go one of two ways you can kind of go the the way of it being very bleak understandably so very morbid for the entire runtime or you go the other way of like the quirky kind of glib indies i know this is a little bit of a subtweet at dan mecca apologies to dan mecca but like elizabeth (laughs) town with do it subtweet out of him (laughs) (laughs) like i just always think of the the suicide bike at the beginning of elizabeth town and like just rolling my eyes so hard at that and just feeling like
0: wait so does Dan Mecca like that Dan, Dan Mecca
2: strong strong love for Elizabethtown weird I Man. mean it's, <laughs> really, um, you know if we talk about Mechacord it's definitely a Mechacore kind of a Cameron <laughs> crow you know it, it and it has it has its charms but as far as the trying to capture somebody who's going through something like this, it always kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. And I think there's other movies that definitely do a similar thing where it's just a little bit trite and it can feel a little bit disrespectful. And I, so on the count of three being billed as a comedy, maybe raises a little bit of like a red flag of like, Oh, they're making a comedy about suicide. That's kind of, you know, not ideal, but yeah, I think, I mean, I I don't know how the two of you feel about this, but I think that it, they really navigate that line super well of being able to be hilarious at one point and then incredibly thoughtful and ruminative at the other. And sometimes in, within the same sequence, within the same moment, it can be both things at the same time.
0: I don't know. Bill Graham, what are your thoughts?
2: Um,
1: I... Didn't know what to expect from this coming in. Um, I say that a lot. Uh, this one, I think I have seen this uh, guy's oh, one of his previous films. Um, the, the main actor, his name is Christopher Abbott, right? Something like uh, yeah. that. Yeah, co
0: lead mm-hmm. is Christopher Abbott, which some someone on our Slack channel, which you can join by going to patreon.com <laughs> slash the film stage, was like. Oh, the new Christopher Abbott movie. He's my favorite actor. And I was like, what is a Christopher Abbott? And how is it your favorite actor? I to, to defend them, I do Christopher Abbott is one of my
2: favorite actors. So I was when I was hyped for this going into it at Sundance, it was predominantly as a Christopher Abbott fan. Um, I think he's one of those guys who's kind of develops like almost like a cult following around just him, like people who are very uh, strong fans of him but yeah he definitely hasn't permeated the the mainstream yet or even really like maybe not so much the even like the cinephile mainstream where yeah a lot of people will know him just by his name right but i i, I,
0: I had to look it up and i was like okay i've seen i i know that i've seen the world to come and I was Right, like, you know but i didn't like that movie and so that's not a good thing um <laughs> I didn't realize there was a TV miniseries of Catch 22 in which he is the lead character. He is he is the lead in the he Catch is. 22 miniseries, directed right. by George
2: Clooney on Hulu.
0: That is cra- it is insane that there is a Catch 22 miniseries directed by George Clooney, and I it was is- caught is- off guard by its existence.
1: <laughs> wait, 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 wait is is that the one with Michael B. Jordan?
2: No, what? are you are you thinking of what would you is be thinking
1: catch? of? Is it Fair, Catch twenty two Fahrenheit four fifty one did it's TV Fahrenheit. movie on
0: HBO with like okay, okay. That other that other so, seminal novel with a number yeah, in the title. The other novel well, we all read in high school.
1: Well, yeah. See, that's the thing. I haven't read either of these. Uh, oh, that's books oh, good. More. Good
2: books. Good books.
1: Yeah, but yeah, I I private school, so you know, I yeah. read Beowulf and uh, Frankenstein instead.
0: I mean, first of all, it's Frankenstein. second of all I went to public school I read all that and I read I read read both of those too though I think I read catch play two on my own I don't think I was made to read that um I God, is it good? Now, this, I'm sorry, we've thrown this entire. Thing it's off, the the mini
2: series like, is alright. I wouldn't I wouldn't strong recommend it, especially these days when like so much stuff is out there. It's one of those things which I think you can apply to a lot of George Clooney directed projects,
0: where on paper it should be a lot better than it actually is. <laughs> oh, that makes a lot of sense. Like, what was that thing that came out that no one knew about? It was like the Night Sky or the Winter, the signs. Midnight Sky. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: The- yeah, I have a book. I have a book about it. What are but you talking about? I know about <laughs> it. Coffee
0: table book. <laughs> what I gonna say? I, on the subject of mini series and like is this worth watching i recently started watching the new uh apple tv thing the essex serpent mm, okay. And all i all i have to say it's got so it's got claire danes and tom uh hiddleston uh, yeah. yeah, hiddleston is that right yeah all right yeah yeah. yeah yeah um and um and I'm watching it, and I, you know, it's interesting, it's beautiful. Like they're two good actors, they've got some chemistry, blah blah blah. If I get to the end of this six episode miniseries and the snake is love or the friends they made along the way, I'm gonna lose my fucking mind. I expect <laughs> to see a legitimate sea serpent, um, and I'm worried of setting myself up for failure. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so Christopher Abbott Bill is in this, and you were about to say something about him. Uh, I saw a movie, wow, uh,
1: 2015, <laughs> uh, called James White, which yeah. stars him, and it, it feels like he's the exact same character. I don't know if this is his like type that he plays. I don't know if this is just his personality. I don't know what's going on, but uh, he seems to play a lot of troubled uh, use, I would say. He's got that, that kind um, of face, I feel yeah yeah well, i'm, I'm not sure dad too he,
3: yeah yeah um
2: mm-hmm.
1: i think he was a smaller role in that though wasn't he, he was he
2: was like the the other the like, second dad the other guy gotcha. yeah the other yeah. dad yeah, yeah
0: yeah spoilers but yeah um <laughs> it's like the plot of the movie is that there's <laughs> a, another dad and another uh,
1: yeah maybe i i mean i i Again, I'd try not to watch trailers. So, you know, right. well, um, I can
0: I can tell you that that's not a thing. That's not a spoiler.
1: OK, you're fine. OK, fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I've, I've seen him full full fledged, you know, uh, 90 minute movie uh, all all starring in it. So uh, I was familiar with him, uh, not necessarily because I enjoyed James White. I thought James White was OK, um, but it, yeah, it, it deals with with a self-destructive character in a lot of ways. And this one uh, is another self-destructive character uh, who oddly... I didn't like the opening of this film. I didn't. I didn't like what was going on, and I say that in kind of a vague way because I'm not trying to tell you how it begins or you know. But it does kind of hop around in terms of time, at least initially. And once it settled into its rhythms, I actually really started to enjoy it. Um, So. You know if you turn it on and you know two minutes in you're like oh give me a fucking break Uh, totally hear you Uh, give it a little bit you know give it another 20 minutes see see where it takes it and then uh, if you want to turn it off after that point fair enough but uh, yeah I think I think What's interesting about this film is the way the characters kind of communicate to each other, the two main leads, and how the talk of depression, suicide, uh, mental health, all of this stuff is kind of unraveled and kind of uh, poked and prodded at, um, I think is really interesting. Um, I think... The thing that sucks is that there are a lot of shitty people in and around this world. It's very clear that they grew up in this town and didn't move away, um, which is always like you know get away from your nightmares i think so um uh, don't stay in the same town uh but yeah i overall i enjoyed it it is slight it is short um but i thought some some moments and some conversations were interesting enough to keep this film uh having some momentum and there are some like actually pretty big faces in this film i was surprised by i'm not going to give it any of those in my way i mean a quick google search can you know lead you down that path i mean it's it's not a fucking marvel movie like it's not it's not a spoiler (laughs) but it's it's just nice to be surprised when people show up that you're like oh i thought this was like a really small tiny budget indie movie and then you're like oh okay that person's in it
0: okay yeah you're like oh shit wait a second um. Yeah. Though I will say, uh, as a jumping-off point to my own review, that became distracting and made me wonder why this movie wasn't better. Um, <laughs> uh, this may be one of those things where, like, if you're a chef and you watch a movie about chefs, you're like, "Oh, they don't know anything about chefs." As a person who, not to brag, has had a lot of friends kill themselves and has dabbled uh, off and on for twenty years with suicidal ideation, I found this movie as th- it was as though it were written by someone who never really. Conceptualize suicide for themselves which i feel like is fair you can do that everyone should be able to write about whatever they want but maybe give it to your dark friend for a suicidal pass because this just felt i didn't feel ever that this movie was really engaging with an attitude towards self-annihilation i found like the the banter and the friendship between the two leads to be fairly engaging so like you know in times where they're talking about stuff um i found it like mostly enjoyable but what's funny is like the trailer opens with that like listening to papa roach um and then and then like one of them turning it off and kind of saying like like the laziest joke on earth for it is like you can't listen to a thing exactly even though you're in a movie that's about that and the character's trying to do it it's just like too many levels and it's not really truly going for it, and like I, t- like in terms of of cinematic representations of suicide, and I guess this is a spoiler warning for the Royal Tenenbaums, but like go fuck yourself if you're really gonna come <laughs> at me for that. Um, I've said that now. Everyone on this podcast has actually seen the Royal Tenenbaums, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. Um,
1: I don't remember it, but yeah,
0: that's fine. Uh, Luke Wilson's character uh, tries to commit suicide, and that moment scored to needle in the hay um, by uh, an artist who did kill themselves. Um, Uh, Yeah. And he, you know, is like clipping off all his hair and shaving and he says, I'm going to kill myself tomorrow. But then he decides to do it right then. Like that to me is like, oh, sweet. Wes Anderson has 100% either wanted to kill himself or known someone who wanted to kill themselves and possibly actually did it. And this movie, it was just like a little too... It was too twee in its idea of like, "God, we gotta have like one last day together," while still attempting to be like realistic in some ways. That I feel like it 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 was not balancing its tone correctly. Like if it if it wanted to like you know really mess around with the idea of okay, these guys have like decided to kill themselves later, but let's see what hijinks they get into first. Like it should have gone a little broader, a little more. Like, there's there's an episode of Barry where he tries to kill, like, a world judo champion. Um, yeah. If it had gone and that is, like, a messed up episode. So much crazy shit happens. And it is hilarious. And it is unworldly. But it's also, like, deeply human. And if the movie had attempted that level, I think it might have worked. But as it is, its its aesthetics and character work are not matched to, like, the actual narrative it feels for me. And so I had a lot of trouble really engaging with it in that way. And I just didn't like both the characters talked a lot about wanting to die, but I never truly felt that in them. And um, yeah, it just felt like it felt like it was like, a you know, a, a beta test kind of screenplay. Like it just didn't it just didn't it didn't really make a lot of sense to me and like if it had been made for like forty thousand dollars by like two best friends from film school <laughs> maybe you could be like oh this is like a calling card i kind of get it all right like maybe they'll get it the next time but like these are people who've accomplished things before and they got uh you know a couple of other you know high power you know people to come around and be a part of this too and i'm just it's just interesting to me. This is Gerard Carmichael's directorial debut. I will say feature directorial debut. Um, and it's it, it was funny when I saw the ending credits and I found out that it was written by other people. Because I was like, oh, so this is like a script that was floating around. And he, it, I just assumed that like he wrote it. Well,
2: you know? yeah. In doing, um, kind of like reading up on it, I guess he... He kind of developed it with them. He goes like way back with the two guys who wrote it. So they had been developing it yeah, together. That was confusing for me too, when I first saw the film that, especially with like subject matter like this and any really like an actor making their directorial debut, you basically expect them to have at least a hand in the script. So that always confused me too. And then, yeah, just the other day reading an interview with him about it and kind of the development of it. Like he goes, these guys were, I think, with him on the Carmichael show doing stuff with him and they kind of have been like bouncing around an idea like this for a long time.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So that makes a lot. Of, Cause I was like, this feels like passion project, like, Oh, yeah. i got this story. And then I was like, Oh, he directed someone else's script. I have no idea what's going on anymore. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I don't know. It's just, um, I, and at the end of the, and you know, it, we're as always with this show, God only knows when we'll actually call spoilers probably pretty soon, <laughs> but, um, it just like where it ends up, I was kind of like, I don't I don't buy this progression. <laughs> I'm not a uh, I'm yeah. not sure I'm on board with this. And um you can paper over a lot of what you would call plot holes by having a character chug an entire bottle of Maker's Mark, you know? Cuz then you <laughs> can just say, "Well, he was drunk." But uh I don't know. I don't know if I'm willing to uh to to offer up that as an excuse for this movie. But I mean, generally, like I said, the, the lead performances are are fine, you know, to fine to engaging to fun at certain points. I think the direction is, is, it's nothing to write home about, but it's not like bad. I don't know. Maybe we'll get into that more. Um, I don't see a lot of, but I guess that's kind of a good thing. I was about to say, I don't see like a lot of like trickery or like formal invention, but like a lot of times the first time director will be like, the whole thing is going to be shot mounted to a bicycle. Yeah, yeah I don't think it's, a, it really I think it's some flavor. Everything calls for it. Yeah. yeah. I think it's I think it's good. I think you could see places where like clearly there was a vision that went in. But like I don't know. I just I expected I expected more and better. Like again, if this were if not to invoke a person who has rightfully kind of been like cast out from indie film society. But you know, there were times when I was like, okay, if this were like on the level of primer. You'd be like, oh right, yeah. I don't know if it sure. all hangs together, but this is clearly like a promising start. But to see, you know, uh, let's, you know, to invoke Barry again, to see like Henry <laughs> Winkler jump up at some point, I was like, what the fuck is happening here? Yeah, yeah.
2: I, there definitely are, and I mean, as especially once we get into kind of spoiler territory, when we talk about the the last act. I think there are definitely pieces where it certainly feels like a first film that if they had made it you know, a few years down the line, a few films down the line, maybe they would clean up certain parts of it that feel a little bit rough around the edges. Um, But yeah, I, it's, it's an interesting subject matter, I think to tackle something like this, because, you know, you're coming from your experience where you're, where you're talking about, you know, how the tackling of suicidal ideation rang really false to you. And I think, you know, that's completely valid too. And then, coming from it you know that way and then for me I also have had several friends who have committed suicide and I have struggled with it myself um, you know ideation over the years and been like in therapy for so long for it and before I started working for Letterboxd I worked a few years as a crisis counselor for Crisis Text Line and like for me one of the things that I love so much about the movie is that it feels like it is a more like nuance and a more dimensional um, approach to suicidal ideation because it does uh, capture that idea of like, even if you want to kill yourself, even if you're planning on doing it like that day, it still isn't necessarily the only thing on your mind sometimes for some people. And like, you could still have moments where there is levity or you are able to even like joke about the fact that you're going to kill yourself later, you know? And I, I found that really impressive with the movie that I was able to go in that way with it, but I also can totally see how for some people that would ring really false.
0: Yeah, because like, once again, not to brag, but all the people I know <laughs> who have killed themselves or tried to kill themselves, they there there was no like You you're you're able to have levity about it for a while. Um yeah, obviously right? I'm able to have levity about it now. In fact, my friends and I could not make new friends for the first six months after our first friend killed himself uh, because we made jokes about it all the time. And right. that was <laughs> a really good way to scare people off. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, clearly there there is humor to be mined from it. And I don't find, I'm not like one of those people who's going to be like, ew, you can't make fun of that. But like at the point where you're actually decided to do it, usually at that point, like, you've you've gone a little dead like that's if if you're finally going to take that step and so it's funny because at first it felt as though val gerard carmichael's character was there because i was like wow he is like a void of a presence in this movie and i was like oh right yes because he wants to die um but then i don't know just like just like that whole that whole moment where he's like you know you can't listen to the music that directly you know I don't listen to Lance Morissette when I have a breakup and I'm like why not of course you do like (laughs) I don't know anyone who doesn't try to match their musical tastes with their emotional moment especially if their emotions are extreme so that felt more just like a funny wink wink nudge nudge thing yeah yeah, actual like real moment of human emotion (laughs) yeah
2: I say I think that's part of it to especially when we you know get into kind of talking about like the last act and how things kind of wrap up is this idea of do maybe parts of it could ring a little bit false because there's that question of do these guys actually want to do it you know like they which i think you see in Movies, too, sometimes like people who say that they want to do it. I mean, in in the opening scene, they have their guns at each other and it's Abbott's character, Kevin, who balks and doesn't go through with it and comes up with that idea of, you know, one last day kind of thing. And it's like, for whatever reason, in that moment, he didn't actually want to do it. He didn't actually want to go through with it. And so there is kind of that question of whether these guys want to actually do it, which I'm sure we can talk about more when we get into more explicit uh, spoiler territory.
0: Well, I say, I say, fuck it. And let's just do spoilers. Go for it. <laughs> I think <laughs> I, as the, the Lord Supreme leader of this podcast, um, <laughs> I say we should do spoilers. Bill, what do you think?
1: Sure. All let's right. go for it.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. So it was funny. Cause <laughs> the movie opens with them pointing the guns at each other's head and, um, you know, counting down and I, I'm sitting there and I'm watching this and I'm just like, that's a terrible idea. Like, I know that, like, they, they make mention of, like, you got to get the timing right. But, like, right, I'm not yeah. going to trust a friend to kill. If no. I really want to yeah. die, I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> yeah, for um, sure. I also don't know anyone who's killed themselves with a gun. So that's interesting. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that is a way I people actually, do it. I actually don't either, yeah. Yeah, it's all bridges and hangings as far as I know. Um, <laughs> that's, that's that's the bulk of my, my friends. Um, what else was I going to say? <laughs> uh for anyone who is interested every time i've uh, thought about killing myself it's been with a knife um and i say with a knife instead of cutting my wrists or something because there was a period where i was thinking about stabbing myself to death yeah yeah which uh, i believe is how elliot smith did it actually yeah maybe that's why and uh, and then yeah with elliot smith there's a whole thing of
2: a lot of people think that his girlfriend did it and
0: yeah, I mean, it's the
2: same, et thing cetera, et, et cetera, et cetera. So to yeah, yeah. Blah,
0: blah, blah. What's the guy, yeah. what's, uh, Nick, Nick Drake, right. He did it too. I think anyway. Yeah. I was like, uh, I, in fact, I said it once at work, someone was like, wow, one of these days, Brian's going to swallow I was Like I'm not going to shoot myself. If I'm going to die, I'm going to lay down in a field. I'm going to stab myself in the heart. And so everyone just got really quiet. I was like, <laughs> yeah that's... Sorry, I thought you wanted to talk about this. did you see
2: um did you see that movie The Night House that came out last year
0: The Night House no With I Rebecca
2: Hall there is the not to oh, yeah. go too far into it I've but... watched,
1: I, I watched 20 minutes of that on a plane and I was like oh this is good
2: <laughs> that is a that's a tough plane to movie um the,
0: the initials <laughs> not, the initial not ideal setup, well, that um... or the house that Jack built
2: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus <laughs> The initial setup of the nighthouse is Rebecca Hall's character, her um husband. I it's I think it's her husband, it might be her boyfriend. Um, he kills himself. And so she's like dealing with the grieving process of that and everything. And there's the scene with um actually her best friend in it is uh I can't remember her name, the blonde from Barry, who's like Oh, the, Sarah the, the Goldberg. M- yeah, yeah, thank you. Um she's Rebecca Hall's best friend, and they're out at like a bar with friends, and like her whole friend group is trying to kind of Just act like everything's normal, not really talk about the fact that her husband killed himself. And then she starts making these like really, really dark, like off color jokes about the fact that he killed himself and the room shifts so much. Everybody gets so, so fucking uncomfortable. And I feel like that that specific scene in that movie is like one of the most accurate depictions I've ever seen of just the kind of vibe around somebody who like somebody what their loved one has just killed himself because like nobody knows how to handle it. Oh yeah. Cause they, everyone's
0: like, we need to not talk about it. We like, we exactly. especially don't want to talk about the fact. Well, we don't want to talk about the fact that they died. We would hundred percent don't want to talk about the fact that they took their own life. Yeah. But then again, if you're friends with me and my friends, we oh, I don't even remember what it was we said, but I remember walking out of black swan. <laughs> we, I, think, no. I, I think a friend don't. and I, what
1: was that? <laughs> Uh, tread carefully. That's one of my favorite fucking movies. Oh, no, no.
0: We, uh, the movie <laughs> had ended. This was my like, okay. third time seeing it. <laughs> okay, friend, <geez>. A friend <laughs> and I are on a double date and we walk out with our respective partners. And I don't even remember if we were talking about Black Swan itself or another movie. I think it was Black Swan because Black Swan sort of ends with the intimation that like maybe she's like going to die or something. Um, and we like we he and I just like immediately made a joke about it. And the two girls like walked away from us. And I was like, um, yeah, <laughs> they drove us here. <laughs> <laughs> we need to go get them back and we need to not make any more jokes for the rest of the night until we are to know your location. audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely know the audience. Yeah, it's it's it's, 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 tough. it's yeah, it's the whole thing of like, oh, my God, like, well, I just don't know how to like, you know, act around you. It's like, look, look my friend died like you can't do anything that's going to hurt me more than that so like just do whatever you want to do
2: yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's a tough thing to navigate and i think so like i think the Nighthouse captures that really well maybe in a way that on the count of three doesn't exactly quite nail that that's similar i mean obviously this is a little bit different since they're planning to do it but yeah maybe that's part of where you're going with like the tone isn't quite there Mm -hmm. where it, it feels like a little bit too still like Sundance, you know, dramedy kind of vibe. Yeah,
0: I keep wanting to talk about the skeleton, right? The skeleton siblings. twins. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. I never saw that movie, so I that don't know why. Very, I keep... Yeah,
2: well, I, that's that's very much exactly that kind of a little bit too twee around it i think
0: yeah Um, that's the other the other one i keep wanting to reference is like wrist cutters a love wrist cutters was one that i was thinking of yeah but like again i never saw that one i actually i never (laughs) saw that one because that movie came out and a bunch of people rightly pointed out that it sounded a lot like a short story that i'd written in high school and so i just immediately grew like interesting very upset about (laughs) that movie coming out how they find that short story because uh, it was people boxing. who read the, the short story w- when I was in high school with them. <laughs> oh, really? No, no, no. No, 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 no. no, no. no, no not, the, not the writer of the book. No, oh, just a okay, bunch of friends are like, hey, I was making a joke story? that the oh, yeah. people who
2: wrote the book stole that from you. And then I thought you that were saying been, that actually happened. Would've, that would have been actually hilarious.
1: <laughs> Pending so, lawsuit. It was just like, <laughs> yeah. I wrote this thing I can't I school. can't technically talk about this. <laughs> we can't actually talk about this. We're cutting all of this out. That would be it's hilarious.
0: No, I wrote this thing in high school, and then, like, I, I think it was, like, like a couple years later. I can't remember when Risk Cutter's love story came out. But someone was like, hey, remember that 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 uh, short story you wrote that was, like, about two people who fall in love in hell and the place where the suicides go? Yeah, there's, like, a movie coming out that sounds like it's like that's that. Exactly and so that. I just immediately was like, oh, well, I'm never watching that fucking piece of shit. Yeah, that's a kick in the teeth. I know. I was like, "It's like, oh, so my idea was really good. Yeah, oh, I, I could have sold this. Right. I, I gave it to the literary magazine. This is actually funny. Um, I gave it to the literary magazine because all my friends read this short story. And it was like the first real adult, like impactful short story I'd ever written. It was the first thing I ever wrote where I thought, I'm very proud of this. It is not just mm-hmm. entertaining. I think it says something important. And it's like poetic and beautiful, blah, 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 whatever. So I go and my friends are like, you got to submit to the literary magazine, like submit it to, to the literary magazine. Can't even remember what the literary magazine was called. So I did it. You know, first time I ever showed my, my work on a professional scale, turn it in, super happy, skipping down the hallway. The next day I get called to the school psychologist's office. right yeah and i'm i'm like wondering what happened at home that they need to tell me in the psychologist's office about (laughs) like i'm really worried and i walk in and the first thing i see on her desk is my short story with a series of post-it notes on it um and i said oh it's about that (laughs) (laughs) i i can tell what's going on here now yeah yeah i was like did you like it? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I when I was in when I was in high school, I I can't even remember how I got this, but I got a book that was called The Encyclopedia of Serial Killers. Um <laughs> that was literally just an encyclopedia of all the details of I guess known serial killers and I because I was an idiot and in high school, I thought it would be a funny bit to just be like very openly reading that like in class, like while, you know, teachers were like talking or whatever and just like right. making it very clear that that's what I'm reading. And uh, yeah, it's a very similar thing. I got called down to guidance counselor, people confused, concerned, a little bit mad. And I'm just like, no, I'm just doing like a joke. Like <laughs> everything, every, everything's
0: fine. <laughs> Well, it was because I had to have, like, an hour-long conversation with her, at which point she realized I was totally fine. I wasn't planning on killing myself. I was just a kid with, like, a very active imagination. She did admit, finally, at the end, that she had thought it was a very good story. (laughs) There you Um, go. And I was like, cool, cool. Are they going to – this might be a dumb question, but are (laughs) they going to print it in the literary (laughs) magazine? And she said, 100% no. Um, And then I went home, and I told my mother that I got sent to the school psychologist's office, and she called the school – with uh, an Italian New Yorker's fury. Um, and I heard her use language I'd never heard my mother use before because she was pissed off that the school could send me to a mental health professional, but was yeah. not allowed to give me Advil the time I twisted my ankle. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. Which, you know, now that I think about it, good point, mom. <laughs> that is a very good point. The, yeah. Well,
2: yeah, I've, we'll, we'll get back into the movie uh, here in a second. But similarly, the first time that I ever told... I think anybody that I was considering killing myself was I was like 16 or 17, I think. And I had recently started seeing a therapist for the first time. Like, I I guess I'd probably been seeing her for about a year and we were talking about it. And she was like asking me if I like, had thought about how I was going to do it or whatever. And I said, yeah, like there's, you know, woods behind my house. I would go back there and hang myself. Like that's when I visualize it. That's when I think like, that's what I think I'm going to do. And she almost immediately was like, Okay, well, now you have to stay here. you can't leave. I'm calling the like mental health institution and we're like you have to get like put in there. You have to, you know, um, be impatient there. And I said like, n- like no, like how, like no, <laughs> I don't. like what are you talking about? And she like wouldn't let me leave. but the way that I was able to finally get out of it is because I was still underage. So my parents, my mom was able to come and basically like take responsibility for me and say like you know nothing's gonna happen like they're fine let me like take them home and they couldn't take me to the mental health institution because i was not 18 yet
0: right you so, can't like, like involuntarily against a parent's yeah exactly as a child <laughs> so,
2: yeah exactly like ugh, ridiculous like i just it's it's one of those things where um Like the idea of people are so afraid of talking about it that the second that you talk about it, it becomes like this huge deal. And it's like, no, I just need to fucking talk about it. You know, like, yeah, like I'm thinking about it. I'm probably not actually going to do it. But you
0: for for me, it's like at the point when I don't
2: want to talk about it anymore. That's when you that's the concern. Exactly. Exactly. When I'm not talking to anybody for three days, like that's when maybe you should be a little bit worried. Yeah.
0: But anyway, so again, this is that you know, clearly we've we've all had a lot of experience with suicide and suicidal ideation, and um, that's why I think this movie rings a little hollow. Before we move on back to the movie completely, would you guys recommend The Night House? Bill, the twenty seconds you saw,
1: like, <laughs> twenty minutes, twenty minutes. Um, it was definitely something that i was I was curious about. Um, I was sold on it by it being more of a horror film, but mm-hmm. the first. Like 20 minutes of it is very much setting up like just her mental headspace and what she's going through and and all the all the blowback from what she suffered. So or gone through. And so. Uh, it, I mean, it was definitely something where I was like, I need to finish this. And then I just know my partner and she is not game for a movie like that. So <laughs> I was just like, I mean, A, it's it's supposed to be scary. And B, it is kind of a, a sl- you know, it's a a slog in a uh, emotional, um emotional, kind of attachment way not a bad movie way if that makes sense so usually she's not up for that and so you know that's why we've only watched one episode of tokyo vice and i'm like (laughs) i'd I'd like to watch more but she's just like that's that's a heavy show and i'm like it's not that heavy but i understand okay
2: (laughs) i will be patient so
1: yeah i i would recommend
3: it all right cool
2: yeah, I would I would strongly recommend The Night House. I think the the Night House is kind of similar to um on the count of 3. I think I think because of the subject matter it has people who really it like resonates for them because of its tackling of like grief and everything and then for some people it, it they feel a little bit um it's uh, tackling of dealing with suicide is a little bit problematic. So like depending on I think how you respond to it, you can either be totally down for what it's trying to do or just like really put off by the way that it's handling that stuff. But I definitely, I would recommend it. I really like it. I would recommend like people at least giving it a shot and seeing kind of where they would uh, come out on it. But I also, just as far as like a horror level, The Night House is the first movie since it follows to like genuinely make me feel concerned and like unnerved when I'm walking around my house at night, the way that it like handles <laughs> nice. like space and like the way that your house and like your surroundings can kind of morph at night mm-hmm. for you in like the dark. I think that they really capitalize that on that, like super well. And so, yeah, I watched it. Um, I had a screener of it. And I watched it at like two o'clock in the morning <laughs> by myself, Um, which is, yeah, maybe not the ideal Scenarios, watch it, or or maybe time. the uh, yeah, maybe the perfect time to watch it because then I, you know, I I
1: think. I think what's so interesting is that the more and more people are like, oh, we got to get back into movies, we got to or into theaters, Mm -hmm. we got to have like this, this like, you know, communal experience. And sometimes I'm just like, no, fuck that. I want to put some headphones in, watch something in the middle of the night by myself and just freak my ass out. Like, (laughs) Because like like with with a communal aspect of that, it's not going to be the same. Like I uh, the freakiest movie experience I ever had was watching a a torrented version of Wreck like right. years ago like 10 15 years ago what i don't know when that thing fucking came out but like I, I watched it a long time ago and i remember just it was like midnight i was in college and i was watching it by myself with headphones in and i was like this movie is freaking me the fuck out and i was like this is perfect like why would anyone want to watch this in like a big theater like no <laughs> fuck that let's let's watch it at home and scare our our <laughs> You know like, <laughs> let's have a bad night of sleep like that's fun so yeah. i don't know uh but yeah go, uh you dropping it follows i know i know uh brian's ears perked up as well but <laughs> yeah that's that's it. Like follows one
2: of my
0: like my one God. Of my, my most yeah. recent like oh this movie's fucking scaring the shit out of me and that i saw in a movie theater
2: yeah, that's the thing. I saw I saw it follows in the theater, and it had that effect on me. And then The Night House did at home. So yeah, it really is just kind of the experience Because at the same time, I saw Hereditary in a theater, and when I saw Hereditary in theaters, it was like the worst theater experience of my life. People were doing the like the clicking sound like as a joke the entire movie, and trying wow. like people were just like laughing and making fun of it the entire time. So like I saw hereditary and thought that i hated it like i just saw that it like <laughs> didn't work at all like it wasn't good and then i watched it um like a year later on my laptop in like my partner's room when they were w- working at like one in the afternoon with the headphones in and it scared the <laughs> shit out of me
0: <laughs> i um i just imagined your partner being like this fucking asshole He's watching <laughs> while i'm working um but yeah like for me and I swear to God, we're going to talk about it on the count of three at some point. Um, yeah. <laughs> but for me, it's it comes down to the movie, and it definitely comes down to like the experience of your audience. But like some of the scariest things I've ever seen uh, were definitely in theaters, like uh, The Quiet Place, you know. And I think that one works because you want to feel that quiet, and when you're in a room with all those people, and they're all also trying to be quiet, like their response. It's like when you when you listen to a comedy show. On a podcast, like, right. not on a podcast, but like on your headphones, you know, um, it, it feels good. Even if you find the joke funny, you laugh a little harder if the audience that is being recorded as well also laughs.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, you laugh a lot more. I mean, comedy, comedy's in a theater. You definitely have a much bigger
0: reaction, I yeah. think, than so I watching wonder, a comedy alone at home. I kind of wonder, I, I told you we were going to get back to the movie, if this movie would have played better for me if I'd seen it in a theater with other people. Like right. if I had that, because as it was, I was just just sitting, sitting by my damn self <laughs> watching this movie at like 830 on a, on a Saturday evening after putting my daughter to bed. And I just like wonder if like maybe if like other people had been vibing with it more, if I would have been able to like coast off of their energy. And honestly, right. you know, I've always found it interesting when like I go to a comedy that I don't like, but I hear other people laughing and I'm like, all right, well, this is what the people want, I guess. That's like every yeah. Marvel movie, uh, like yeah. going and just being like, you know, some some janitor walks by and everyone's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Woo. And I'm like, who the fuck was that fucking guy? Yeah. Why are we I cheering the... about the principal at Peter Parker's fucking school? Yeah. i
2: remember seeing ted 2 in theaters and just like with like a sold out like opening night crowd who like absolutely loved ted 2 everything that bear said was the funniest thing that i ever heard and i was just like oh all right i guess this is the world i live in
0: <laughs> yeah so yeah i you know and i i wonder like is this the kind of movie that would get that that kind of response or would it be yeah you know just like
3: hmm hmm hmm
2: yeah that's yeah it's interesting i saw i remember seeing good time um in theaters like on my birthday with my best friend and it was just me and my best mm. friend and like four old people who were all there together and that was the only people in the theater because it was in this like art house theater in annapolis maryland i had Hell to drive, yeah. I had, like an hour and a half to get there yeah, because was, I that, in was Delo- that
0: uh the bow tie bowtie harbor nine yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: that's where yeah. i saw R.I.P. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's where i saw black swan the time that we scared those girls perfect yeah. did you say r.i.p is it not there anymore Yeah, I'm pretty sure they recently closed. Oh, fuck. Well, I mean, (laughs) I hadn't been there in like six years, but that's still not great.
2: Yeah, that was like, that was my theater for the longest time because I used to live in like um, lower Delaware. So that was kind of like an hour ish hour and a half ish away from me. And it was the closest theater that played like anything that wasn't the big blockbuster of the week. Now I live in upper Delaware, so I can get to like Philly and like Baltimore quicker. But oh, okay, yeah. yeah, the both I harbor nine Annapolis was like my theater for the longest time.
0: And I'm, I'm looking at uh, CBM Bay weekly and it is indeed <laughs> telling me that it closed. Well, yeah. What was this? God damn it. Why don't local news <laughs> the local news? Paper websites need to put dates <laughs> on their articles. Anyway, it's closed. This this is sad okay. for me. <laughs> it, within the last like year
2: or two, I think probably honestly probably the pandemic did it to it. But one hundred percent, yeah, it feels. Like yeah, that. when I I just remember vividly seeing Good Time there, and like Good Time, obviously a very anxious movie, very serious movie, but there is like a lot of funny stuff in that movie too. Um, a lot of really like dark humor, a lot of like awkward humor. And so my friend and I kept laughing at like the, these bits of like, you know, funny stuff. And the old people completely stone faced the entire time. And then when we went to leave, they were just like, I don't know. Un- I don't even understand why people like that. Well, like my friend and I are like, that was the best movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> So, yeah, it makes me curious like how like on the kind of three in a theater would play like how much people would be into like the humor of it. If it's like landing for people in theaters or not.
0: This also reminds me of a movie that like my friends and I would, would hear about and then get a blockbuster and watch for sure. But, yeah. But at the same, like I was, I was just about to give an example, but like, it's such a fucking terrible example. It's going to make me <laughs> get fired from this podcast. Um, but like it it I just don't feel like it it even then has that like extra level of like oomph that would make it something that we'd then go, oh, that's the coolest movie ever. Like we have to show this to people. Like right. it's, just, it's just that one sliver, that one shade not quite there enough. Yeah. You know, it's like it's not I don't want to say it plays it safe, but it did it did feel like kind of safe. It didn't it didn't feel quite irreverent enough it it was it was just kind of weird it was just a little weird how I I could never quite feel like I was on its level or knew precisely how it wanted to play things especially once you like get into the subplot where it turns out that one of them was like sexually abused by their therapist as a child Mm -hmm. like it's just like I didn't know what it was trying to do with that Mm-hmm. like is it saying like oh like this guy's sexual abuse has made this guy suicidal or like was he always going to be suicidal and that's just like
2: yeah i think thing f- for me it's like i think something that we see kind of over the course of the movie is how different these two guys experience is and i think that plays into the idea of maybe Abbott's character is you know i mean he he mentions it i think it was in the the clip of the trailer that like he's been living with this for so long and carmichael's character is kind of just like having like a bad day almost Mm -hmm. like he's uh, we discover that he's dealing with the responsibility of learning that he's going to be a father um and it doesn't even necessarily you know tiffany haddish's character is even like you know you don't even have to be here for the kid like do whatever you want to do like i don't give a shit. like
1: i'm i'm curious about that though because like gerard we learn that he initially is like breaking up with his girlfriend right Mm -hmm. and then we learn that he was going to propose to her and Mm -hmm. then we learn I think that is that phone call that happens halfway through the movie and he yeah, gets a gun, voicemail. Right? Correct. And mm-hmm. he gets a voicemail and then she tells him I've been trying to contact you like like you've been ditching my calls. By the way, I'm fucking pregnant. Like I yeah. think that's when he learns that information. It's not like that was part of it, and I think it's important to. I think that context is important because it does make him kind of think about what he's going to leave behind. Because immediately he starts thinking about like getting her money and things right, like right, that, right? Like yeah, his yeah, own yeah.
0: Dad to see his mom, <clears throat> like, yeah
1: yeah yeah and and it's like okay so he's kind of recontextualizing his own life at this point right yeah after after that information now granted the way it is delivered to us it is very much unclear whether that was just a phone call that he ignored as well and that voicemail was something that he's been holding on to or like and like listening Two over and over, like you know, there there are some movies where that's definitely a thing where they
2: just right, keep... yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: well, I think the first John Wick is one, or, or no, it's not a it's not a voicemail, but it's it's like a. A, a sweet memento video or something like that. Yeah, oh,
0: that yeah he, he's got his dead wife video. You gotta, yeah, have, yeah, you gotta, yeah. you gotta have the dead wife. Um, <laughs>
1: but yeah, so I, I think I, I'm not sure 100%, so I don't wanna make any kind of sweet, you know, uh, factual statements on that, but I it, it feels to me
2: like he is learning that information in that moment so right yeah which i think even more maybe emphasizes the idea that maybe he was just kind of like having a bad time and feeling like he wanted to you know kill himself but wasn't really committed to it whereas like or feeling it you know as abbott's character was for the majority of his life really because we learn in that scene with um at the like restaurant or diner or whatever it is where his old classmate shows up that he was like viciously bullied as a kid and so you you can kind of put these pieces together of like he was viciously bullied as a kid he went to a therapist probably for something related to that looking for help and the therapist ends up sexually abusing him so the person that he goes to for help ends up causing him even more trauma and harm. And to me, that's kind of where that, the the therapist angle comes into it, where it's like, because we also see that the convenience store scene where, you know, he holds the convenience store up, kind of, he ends up giving him the money anyway. But he says Mm -hmm. this line about how, you know, people just want to be heard. Like they don't want to be ignored. And it feels like for him, he's lived this whole life of, having this like weight and this pain and never having validation for it, never feeling seen for it. And it's just kind of finally tipped over to that breaking point. Cause he eventually, you know, at the beginning of the film, he was in or after the immediate res opening, he, we see him in the mental health institution and clearly they're not helping him at all. Like it's not making any difference for him. So it's like all these places that he tries to go to, To seek help in any kind of way, nothing is helping him at all, and he just sees no other way out.
0: So, to my mind, the the problem there is that like this movie, uh, (laughs) I'm already upset with myself for saying this. This movie like perpetuates the idea that like to want to kill yourself, like you had to have had like a really shitty life. Sure, sure, sure. Whereas like the first friend I know who killed himself had a fucking great life, like. (laughs) to all exterior ways he was <coughs> supremely popular he was very what's uh, i don't know he just, i was gonna say lucky with the ladies fucking like <laughs> never without a girlfriend everyone who fucking met him fell in love with him he had a perfect family he had you know the parents who were high school sweethearts who were in love who you know stayed together are still together now he had a brother and a sister they went on you know they you know they lived in my neighborhood they lived a block away from me so like you know upper middle class white people you know suburbia blah 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 like everything's great this kid is like but that you know that wasn't enough he ended up hanging himself like it there is a there's a part of me that where i was watching this and i was like it kind of sucks that we're piling on like the reasons this guy wants to kill himself or feels alienated but like Sometimes everything's great and you still fucking hate everything. Like, sometimes, they, like, you know, you just have the sense that things are wrong and that you got to go. Like, or, or maybe it's just, sure. like, the small accumulations of sadnesses, you know, maybe yeah. it's I mean, clinical
2: depression, too, is often, like, it's but, just but, clinical. It's just yeah, in your brain chemistry, right? right.
1: But, and, but you know, I don't feel like, like that's... You...
0: Well, go ahead. I don't feel...
1: I don't feel like that's a fair thing to leverage against this one film. That's, that's like a, that's like a trope. That's That's not necessarily this
0: film's. That's why I sighed about saying, I was like, Oh, it perpetuates it. This is the, it's that, it's
2: that idea of, yeah, the, the idea of representation in film where like no one film has the burden of representing everything. When you don't have a ton of representation of the other thing, seeing a film that's doing the kind of the one thing that's been done several times can be
0: kind of frustrating. Well, especially but Especially because this doesn't even feel like a particularly <laughs> artful depiction of it. Like, you know, it's just right. like, like, oh, like, how can we like, let's have this guy's former bully show up. With his, like, perfect little family. Yeah, I, I, like- I,
1: I felt I felt that sequence. Everything else felt kind of tonally okay. Like, yeah. I, I was, like, kind of like, okay, I, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. That that sequence, when it turns and the bully reveals himself as a former bull or still, obviously, a bully, yeah. you know. Um, right, like he doesn't and- even,
0: like... Like it, it almost would have been more impactful if the if the if the the bully had like realized how shitty he was and like apologized. Like sure, yeah. but it's like just little little touches like that. I think would have been the things that would have made this movie feel less. I feel very bad for saying this. I'm not going to say it. I was going to say lazy. <laughs> I don't think it's nice to say that it's lazy. It just it's, feels it's like very it's very, very much,
2: much a movie, right? There's very there's right. movie storytelling and, and script writing there, but like the you know like if.
0: If, if he had said, like, oh, my God, we were just talking. But then then you'd have these things. Because, like, again, you know, just because I have so much experience. It's it's always, like, someone kills themselves or tries to kill themselves. And then you go, like, I don't understand. You just won the big game. You know, you and your girlfriend <laughs> are doing so great. You, you just got, like, $40,000 because your aunt died of cancer. Like, why would you do it now? Like, why is now the time? And this movie is just, like, yeah, this guy should probably do it. <laughs> <laughs> Everything kind of sucks. These are him. all the reasons why, no, right? You know, and it's just like it, I think that there are ways, that, like almost if if the movie had been about a person who you know did have an exterior appearing perfect, enviable life, but still wanted to kill himself. I think that like would have been more interesting. Even like if if Gerard Carmichael walked in and was like, I. <laughs> I just got like a raise at work, but have the work be something that's not supposed to be like looked down on by, you know, the coastal people who are going to watch this indie film. Um, (laughs) You know, you know what I mean? Cause like he does get a a promotion at work and that's fucking awesome in this economy. Like (laughs) he should be really excited. (laughs) Bill knows why I said that, um, (laughs) that the, the, in this economy joke, is never gonna not be funny to me. But like, you know, if if you had a guy walk in who's like, hi, my name's Don Draper Jr. And I too work <laughs> at a respectable office job in a big city and fuck many beautiful women. Um, but I would like to kill myself because I am very unhappy. And then, you know, like that would be a little more interesting to me. Like that would be like a step in the direction of this movie is playing with interesting new novel ideas whereas as it is now it kind of feels like like first impulse characters and character traits and ideas that never really got honed or or looked at from another angle to turn into something truly like new and novel and interesting Mm -hmm.
2: i could i mean i could definitely see where you're coming from with i think that i see all that too and then it's like the it really is like the emotional resonance that it had for me and like that that um balancing of the tone and everything that it had for me was able to allow me to not mind that so much because I definitely was seeing exactly those same things and feeling like as you know, as we said earlier, like that that idea of this being having kind of tropes of the typical Sundance dramedy, right? And it can veer into that direction for sure. But for me, I didn't end up minding those so much at the end of the day when i came out of the film like those weren't the things that my mind ended up like fixating on more than the the things that really did work for me about it
3: gotcha
0: bill any thoughts <laughs> any thoughts overall about the film? Oh, I was just like, you know, coming off of everything we've just said. Like, did you have anything to add on that particular cuz I was going to start to just run through a lot of the guest stars and the very like <laughs> the movie becomes kind of a picaresque. Like I, I, I it's think, that it's very episodic, <laughs> right? Yeah. Which, you know, mm-hmm. fair, that's fine. Though again, yeah. I feel like like uh, I don't want to I don't want to keep talking about what the movie could have been or like how I sort of expected <laughs> it to go but it did feel like it, this is the kind of story that's crying out for an all threads are drawn together at the end kind of thing. You know, it mm-hmm. it does feel like it should be a little more I won't even say narratively complex, but like maybe complete. Like I kept expecting that, like, uh, like somehow that like the their inner their interaction with the, the dirt bikes and the pharmacy and his dad and the doctor and the reception like would all come together in some like really interesting like like literary kind of way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and and yet it did not. Like I, I I don't know if any of you have ever read the novel Amsterdam by Ian McEwen. Um, I have not. So it's about these two guys who uh, are kind of connected because they're friends who both slept with the same woman at some point, and she died very suddenly. Of a, a long, debilitating disease that basically put this, like, once free-spirited woman <laughs> under the sway of her, like, toady fucking terrible husband. Um And so they decide, like, if that ever happens to me, I would like to just die. Um And they both have big, professional things that are going to happen. And then they both get very jealous of one another. And a lot of bad stuff goes to happen. Blah, blah, blah. To spoil the ending of this novel, which everyone should read because I like it a lot. Um, <laughs> they they each end up forging in some way the like, you know, go order for the other one to get assisted suicided. Mm. Um, and to me that's like kind of what I was like hoping for in this movie. I was hoping for like that kind of like clockwork, all the pieces ticking together. Type of thing. But it just kind of it just ended up kind of did feeling like messy and a little like slapdash and unmotivated. And, you know, so we get like we get like them going to see uh Lavelle Crawford as Donnie, who you might know as Huel from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, or Trevlo from New Girl. Um and uh and then they go and see JB Smoove as as his dad, and you know, we get a brief stop with Tiffany Haddish. And I just like each of those each of those new things i just like i don't know it never felt like it was building like they all felt very disconnected it didn't feel i didn't feel like i was being taken on a journey mm. like yeah, what, like is... what did we get from what did we get from Lavelle other than like a cut that sends them to the place where they then hold up quote unquote a pharmacy like
2: right yeah it feels like that was to i guess i mean to come back around to the dirt bike stuff at the end but it's like did you yeah. necessarily need that at the end
0: Right, like that's a lot of time spent on just being able to get them on dirt bikes, so they can have a more cinematic final showdown with their own desire to die.
2: Yeah, that's that's the one. Yeah, that's like the one stop that I even watching it the second time, I had forgotten from the first time was like that stop, like on the journey. I remembered all the other scenes, Um, but yeah, it is. It's certainly structured like a road movie with those different kind of vignettes of stopping at this place and this place and this place. But I think if I have one big complaint with it, it is that the, or not not even necessarily like a full complaint, but just a feeling of wanting more is that the last 10 or 15 minutes, I did feel like I was wanting, similar to you, wanting something more, wanting to feel like there was more of like a stamp on like, this is the end of the movie. This is the resolution. And like, they do resolve it, but it feels a little bit to me, maybe rushed at at kind of the end, the last 10 or so minutes?
1: Yeah, it, it feels like it moves pretty quick at the end, but mm-hmm. I, I think... I think part of it is because it's starting to run out of real estate in terms of timing, in terms of the day, right? This right. this whole thing is supposed to happen over the course of a day. And that's kind of the timeline that they keep talking about. Um, you know, once the doctor office sequence kind of happens. Uh, right. You know that, which, by the way, I don't know why Christopher Abbott's character grabs the gun from the doctor's hand. Like that
0: would have been an easy, like, hey, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot where it's he... just like, uh, this is, there's a lot to explain here, but it can be explained. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, that's you know, going Clint's... into going into a car chase that turns into a dirt bike chase that turns into like, like they could have had their final showdown in the doctor's office hallway. Yeah, like saved a couple dozen thousand dollars from the budget of this movie (laughs) and just had that fun because that final showdown to me, honestly, was pretty was pretty good. And I feel like if if they had maybe honed in a little more on the characters earlier on, you know, people obviously disagree with me. I feel like we could have gotten a little more a little more of that. But like that whole moment where, you know, Val's like, I want to live. And Kevin's like, fuck it. We're going down. Like, I'm not going to let you have to live with this murder rap on you. Um, right. You know, and at that point, uh, but here's another thing. I, well, I was going to say like having him chug the whiskey the whole day <laughs> is kind of a cop out, but like, I can't decide if I, I like it better that like he's suicidal and he's like gotten drunk. And so now he's going to do it. Or if I prefer that, like, Oh, well, his like latent borderline personality disorder finally caught up to him. And now he's like going quote unquote crazy. I just don't know which of those would be better, you know? And so that's almost like why I kind of wish that he just had a good, normal seeming productive, awesome life. And, but he was still like feeling this way and he just, so it didn't, it didn't quite come so much out of like a medical diagnosis or a substance abuse thing, you know? Like it's, it's just, um, it feels to me like that makes the, the moment a little less grounded in, in some like sense of humanity. Hmm. but But like generally i like that standoff
2: yeah i i like it too and then like that him making that decision at the end is, is kind of raises that question of like is he in a way like doing it so that like val doesn't have like the murder on him like is is he kind of almost misguidingly maybe doing it in a way of trying to like protect his friend at that point as like almost a sacrifice but then that kind of gets confusing too because then it just again raises the question of like does this guy actually did he want to kill himself does he want to kill himself like i i feel like there is just a little bit at the end that i wish we could have seen more examination of i suppose like even if it was just extended like five more minutes so that we could delve in a little bit into what's going on with those characters. Cause then you also have the moment of him when they're in the car chase before the dirt bike chase, where he says the N word to him where Abbott's character says the N word. And then like, that becomes like, the thing that he's like apologizing for. And it's like, this is kind of like a heavy thing to drop in. Like right now at the end of the movie where like, we're not able to really like examine it too much. And like, I am still, I think a little bit confused about that being dropped in the way that it's dropped in.
0: Right, like, is that supposed to be funny? Yeah. we we'll start like, talking a lot about, like, the, the racial divisions in America at the end. But yeah. I, I, and that's the kind of thing where it, it could almost... I could almost see a movie where, like, I guess, like, if, even though you're, like, lifelong friends, like, maybe you've grown apart, and you don't realize how bad your friend is right. until you get to one of their episodes, you know? Like, like right. I, I, I dated someone with a... I can't remember what the final diagnosis ended up being. Uh, It was bipolar, possibly borderline personality. And, you know, you you start off and it's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, every once in a while she's like, you know, a little upset. But like it's not that bad. But then when you're in college and you're dating someone who has a mental illness that first presents itself late in uh, teenage years but can progress up until you're in the middle of your 30s and you stay with them for a three-year chunk of that, um things start to get worse and eventually they try to murder you with a coffee cup and you know it it would have been interesting to have that be a moment where gerard carmichael like kind of can can witness the extreme difference between what he's feeling and what yeah is is like struggling with and to go like oh i thought my friend and i were going through the same thing and we are clearly not and maybe i need to like reassess how i am feeling because i am not uh, having the kinship that i thought i did
2: that's what i would that's kind of the direction where i kept expecting it to go was him eventually having this realization of like oh i don't like i did not realize what i was getting myself into mm-hmm. with this um but yeah i never quite really went there but that's that's yeah that was where i kept expecting it to go
0: yeah like yeah, I it's it's this thing so like I I was told a lot after my friend killed himself. Yeah, I love that I finally have an episode where I get to talk about this. It's not like <laughs> Toy Story 4 where right. I just like drop it in and I'm like sorry to be this guy, but I need to bring this up in the middle of this children's film. Um <laughs> what uh I a lot of people were like, "Look, it sucks. It's not okay." you're not okay and that's fine. Um, Life will get better, but you got to stay alive long enough for it to get there. And I was like, yep, that's true. I'm going to just white knuckle through this shit. Mm-hmm. And it did, you know, so I've that's cool. But like it is. And so, it, but it would be interesting to pair up someone who, who's like me, who's like literally like, if you leave me alone, I'm going to do it. But maybe tomorrow I won't mm-hmm. with another person who is, you know, clinically depressed and is like, no, it's not ever going to be okay. Like, even if tomorrow right. all of my dreams came through, I would still be physically incapable of feeling happiness towards it. And I'm tired of living in this bleak reality where waking up every morning puts me into physical pain. Like, right. to to contrast those two, and maybe you come to an ending you know where where they both realize that they should just fucking do it like maybe that's what the ending is but it just um it doesn't feel like it ever really like wrestles completely with their separate i i identities on the suicidal spectrum um you know kevin tries to talk val out of it a little bit um but it never and, really and- it never really seems to come to much
1: those are the sections that i actually appreciated the most because he is like you know you you're having a bad time but you haven't actually like gone through the system the way that i have i've Mm -hmm. i've had all the medication i've had uh, yeah i've had all the doctors i tried
2: everything yeah yes
1: and he's like you know you you haven't and you should go through that before you decide to just give up and i think i think that's an important distinction i think that's you know it doesn't have to be a 20-minute diatribe it can be a five-minute scene and I think that's fine because that's, you know, it, it, this film is not trying to be everything, right? right? Yeah. Um, yeah. This movie
0: cannot encompass the whole of all suicidal <laughs> and
1: Correct. And so I think, I think that's a very fair and very honest and very poignant conversation point that he's having, not just with, like, his, you know, best friend, but also like with just a person just in general, right? Right. Like that, that would be solid sound advice for just about anything. It doesn't have to do with, you know, mental health or, or suicide or anything like that. Right. It could be, Oh, I have a a injured knee. Okay, well, you should probably try this and this and this. No, I'm just going to chop it off. And it's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, uh, there are other options,
0: you know? Right. Um, it almost, so I th- it would almost be, I, I, and maybe this is, maybe I just need to go and write this script. It would almost be <laughs> funnier if you had someone who's struggled with depression their entire life, has like maybe attempted suicide a couple times, that keeps getting foiled um that could be its own running joke is people talking about how fucking this sure. poor this guy is killing himself and then he's got a friend who's like wife left him or something or hell if you really did go really dark maybe she died maybe she fucking died real bad real suddenly and he's <laughs> like hey what's up uh first friend i'm going to kill myself would you like to kill yourself with me um and like you know clinical depression friend can be like I don't, if I'm still here, then you've got to fucking stick around. Like, your thing could get better. I'm, you know, a broken individual and it's never going to be okay. And then you just spend, you know, a whole day with them as, like, you know, uh, newly suicidal friend is putting his affairs in order and is, like, 100% going to do it. Absolutely going to do it. What is that movie? Uh, A Single Man, the Tom Ford movie with uh, yeah. Colin Firth, mm-hmm. where he's, like, I'm gonna set all my things out. I'm gonna write my stuff. I'm gonna yeah. uh, like put a put a towel down so I don't, you know. I'm gonna like leave a note for the housekeeper to not open the door and to call the police, like, yeah, you know. And just have clinical depression, friend, who has actively tried to kill himself three times, try to talk, you know, situationally depressed friend into like giving it another go, knowing that he's basically arguing against his own position, and just yeah. give it the kind of like goofy screwball banter that you know two friends would actually have which is something that i felt like this movie kind of missed a lot i was really expecting like more funny one-liners and shit or even just like <laughs> like hang out like duplass style like let's workshop this scene three times or like, you know, over the course of six hours in an improvisational way, just riffing. Yeah. And then build a script off of that where it's like, you know, we've finally gotten to the funny stuff. Like it just, you know, like I'm not saying my friends and I are the most hilarious people on the earth, but like we were able to land some funny jokes over the fact that we wanted to kill ourselves. It seems like these guys should have had more laugh lines if this, you know, wanted to be a comedy. And so like, that was one of the things where I was like, was I just pitched this, movie incorrectly is this like the right. time that i watched bloody nose empty pockets and like was told it was a documentary but it wasn't and i got mad at it? <laughs> um you know it would like show like is this not a comedy like should this be you know a, a drama or like a whatever but like no it seems like it wants to be a comedy like that seems to be what's going for
2: yeah i think it i mean it, it, the comedy worked for me so i think that i think that it is
0: pitching itself as that for sure um yeah um I guess to to start to start wrapping up, like what do we what do we think of like that final like final epilogue moment? Like, does that did that work for us all? Him in the in jail with his 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 <sighs> child and paramour. I don't know what to call her. <laughs> paramour was definitely the wrong word. Though. <laughs> it was it was a word though. It was a word. <laughs> his enamorata. <laughs> Anyway, with Tiffany Haddish, um, and his and his child, uh, who is at that point looking like she's five years old, so clearly, yeah, right? he's it's still doing some time, yeah. But he seems happy, you know, yeah. he's smiling. He's playing with his kid. I get it. I have a five year old. She's she's a hoot. <laughs> but so, like, were we all good with that? Like, do we do we buy that ending? Is like, you, do we think that like she'd hear about everything that happened that day and be? <laughs> like active and involved with him in that way i feel like she probably would be i mean she seems cool so
2: (laughs) i think think she she (laughs) she should be like all right (laughs) but i mean again like we don't i guess we don't really as this is maybe a complaint that you could make with the movies that we don't really get enough of her as like to understand who her character really is um like she is i mean and i don't know if we need to right like it is just kind of about the two guys so maybe there's not a reason for her to be at like a fully fleshed out character but yeah i i feel like she she would you know be there she seems like she would be um i i know i've seen some people complain about kind of the epilogue and the the idea that it is like after all of this we see this like happy scene like in a prison it's like father's day like all the guards are like chill like everybody's there with like their families and it's like prison just seems you know totally normal and like fine and like that's not maybe uh accurate but i think that speaks to the thing that we were talking about earlier where it's like maybe in that one moment, like things could be fine. Like it doesn't, this doesn't right, suddenly like, need to be
0: a movie that represents the, right. does he need uh, to suddenly be an Oz? Like, is that, yeah, exactly. But exactly. That's also yeah. one of the things is like, people will say that like, Oh, this like, I won't say glamorization of prison, but they make it seem so, but like, I have to imagine that in a lot of situations it is just like boring and normal. And
2: yeah, that's, that was, yeah, that was the thing that like, so like I, I can see, people's frustrations with that um, but like it doesn't really bother me at all I think that the idea of him kind of going through this and having an optimism and like a reason for like hope and stuff it's nice it doesn't after the last 15 minutes and kind of those like frustrations that I was feeling with him I think that I wish that there was like a little bit more meat to the stuff that came before it and kind of those things that we were talking about about those conversations that are raised a little bit um abruptly but as far as the ending goes i think i think it's a nice ending
0: i appreciate that it's not like i don't know i don't know how to put this that there's no dialogue really like yeah i like that too that like it's not like her saying like oh only like seven more years
2: (laughs) right yeah 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 exactly and then he's like well it would have been
0: 25 to life if it weren't for good old kevin blowing his brains out he's just
2: like oh he's like holding his daughter's hand and says like i'm so glad i didn't kill myself that one day that i wanted to
0: let me tell you about oh my god i just came up with the worst (laughs) possible ending for this movie he sits down with his daughter and says let me tell you about the man who saved my life beautiful oh boy. beautiful let me
2: tell you kevin. about let me tell you about the reason you're named kevin <laughs> <laughs> oh <my
0: God. laughs> uh, anyway yeah that would be terrible bill did you have any feelings on the ending? <laughs> I thought it was good. I, I, I like you,
1: appreciated that there there is no real dialogue in it. You just see him, uh, you know, enjoying his life with his daughter. Um, I, I was kind of shocked that they ended up showing him in a correctional facility. Now, you know, who knows how long that time period is. Obviously, he's got visitation rights. So, you know, it seemed pretty um,
0: low security. I'm going to assume yeah. that he's he's serving like five to 10 with like parole possible after seven and good behavior and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. I started, it doesn't seem like he's being watched very rigidly. And then right. Yeah. The, I I started reading the book homicide a year on the killing streets, um, (laughs) by David Simon, um, where he spent like a year with a bunch of Baltimore homicide detectives. And, um, it's incredible book. Recommend everyone read it. And, um, it is, it is one of those things where like now, whenever I see someone get arrested for murder, I'm like, yeah, but the DA is gonna look at that case and he's gonna try to just plea bargain it down. Like, oh, you can (laughs) man ten, whatever. We just need to clear the board, unless you're like a real full-on monster. And I don't foresee them coming after him in that way. Correct. that was a season of a
2: serial, right the the podcast where they she was like, oh yeah, the one. My
1: God, that was that was wild. Yeah, learned learned learned
0: a lot during this. (laughs) Wait, yeah. there was. I thought there were only like two seasons of Serial.
2: There's three. The one with the, the the first one with the the one guy who I can't. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and then the second one was like oh, um, fucking uh, Bergdahl for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the third
0: one. Well, I mean, Mark Bowl.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: but I mean, uh, like who? You know,
2: <laughs> the third one is it's really interesting. I I wish I could remember the the city. Um, but she like embeds herself in one like courthouse, one precinct. I and think it's, it's Columbus.
0: No, it, yes, yeah. It's uh, Cleveland. I'm looking at it now.
2: Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, yeah. So it's not one story over the course of the entire season. That's it's the like several different, right? Yeah. It's not, How <laughs> yeah, <they>?
0: that's <laughs> like if 24 was like, look, 20,
2: uh, 24, that well that one i season mean of 24 it, that was like 12 episodes let's so let's so like let's, let's
1: be honest like th- this is this is literally like the writer's r- reason for why oftentimes sequels are w- way shittier than the original right it's it's hard to hit that same home run that serial hit with that first you yeah, know you can't trial and everything well. like that like again
0: that's so kind of shocked they even had a third season because i remember oh my god sees a serial season two and she's like boberg doll and i was like i am <laughs> out who gives yeah. a flying fuck Give yeah me i think weird maybe murder. that's why
2: they maybe that's why they pivoted for the third because it really is it's a fascinating season you i mean as somebody who didn't know a ton for of the legal system and everything um like that was a i mean <laughs> an eye opener in some respects, like you, you know, shit's going wrong, you know, there. It's it's
1: heartbreaking to be honest. Yeah, it
2: really is. It's, you learn a lot, I think, from listening to it. And I would if people don't know that there's a third season of serial out there or haven't listened to it because I did I tried listening to the second season and I got through like two episodes and gave up on it. I was like, I, yeah. I, I am not I down did the for the same this.
0: thing. I was like, I just, it's not no, I'm sorry. It's, it's yeah not
2: happening. It's just the, not. the third season is really the third season is really compelling, really bleak though. Yeah, yeah. definitely very I I, 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 mean, mean,
0: I really liked it. Our, so. our court yeah. system is I mean, the, the issue is that like, I, we're not going to solve this on this podcast. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> gonna, but like, it's like a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, uh, like police needs to be reformed. I constantly say that like, what you really need to do is reform law. Like it, it we sure. keep making these like nuisance laws that require intervention because that's what the law is. It is a series of codes. And so if you start repealing those, then you are able to free up these resources for stuff that's actually, like, important. And then stupid shit can't escalate. And then also we can't jail people for really pointless petty shit. But, like, maybe that's why yeah. they're doing it. Because they want to do that to people. You know, it's just, I don't know. I, yeah. I'm, I'm always the person who's like, the first thing you got to look at is, what is the written word of the law that is requiring these responses I think that's just another way of saying, like, I probably wouldn't be shocked by this because I'm already jaded as fuck. Um, Yeah, that's that's, out. Yeah, because I think a lot of people are like, oh, the Sterling, you know, legal system and all of it's. Yeah, even as that, that's what I was
2: uh, ineloquently saying is that, like, I definitely have an understanding that, like, everything's fucked um and like i had no uh pretensions that the legal system was like yeah upright in any kind of way but even with that in mind going into it i was definitely like oh this is even more disgusting than i imagined that it was
0: yeah and well, it's, I, it's i mean it's a banality of evil kind of thing because it's never someone who's like right exactly oh, I'm gonna yeah, put all these yeah, people yeah. in jail it's always just like exhausted Everyone just trying to like get through another day. And so it's like people cutting
2: corners so that they can get home earlier. And that cutting a corner is putting, you know, a young kid in prison
0: for 10 years. Right. It's like, well, I could have fought and maybe got him two or like done nothing and he would have gotten 20. So like he should be happy with 10. Right. You know, it's, it's that. And that's, you know, it's, in in homicide they they talk about that a lot it was like you yeah, know, yeah why are you why are you sitting in this interrogation room with a a person whose sole job is to find someone who killed someone else and put them in jail and why are you believing that he is your friend right yeah um and it's funny because like even the cops in that book seem to have a certain level of like can you fucking believe this guy hasn't lawyered up yet like what is right. what is wrong with him um <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, that's just our way of saying, we're pretty sure Val is probably doing, (laughs) he probably got, like, a suspended sentence of some kind that still has to serve, like, five to seven. Yeah. Anyway, if you're a lawyer and want to tell us what you think Val probably got, please let us know. Gerard, call in, let us know. I also (laughs) think it's, it's funny how this movie, like, prevaricates on, like, the issue of, like, them having guns and how cool it feels to have a gun and how wrong that is.
2: Yeah, I I I kind of liked that. That like Kevin Abbott's character is like so anti-gun, and then he fires a gun, and he's like, "Oh, this fucking rules!" Like,
0: yeah, he's like, "Wait, why are we like the mentally healthiest country on earth? We have so many fucking guns!" Like, this exactly, <laughs> yeah. Which I get. Like, there one of my favorite videos was like, I think it was I think it was BuzzFeed. Maybe they said they did like you know anti-gun people shoot a gun for the first time, right? And like almost every one of them was like this is fucking awesome. It, but it also like you know the brightly they were like but it also makes me somehow even more terrified of guns because these things yeah. are so powerful but that's mm. like you know as a person who's professionally in a in a sporting environment not like sport hunting like target shooting like shotguns and owns guns i'm like very cool with expanding you know laws prohibiting the purchasing of firearms because i fully understand yeah. how how dangerous they can be <laughs> in the wrong hands no. um so yeah, so that's interesting. So that was the thing that I liked. I did love when he first picks it up. He's like, oh God, I feel bad for all those like anti-gun Facebook posts. <laughs> and it's stuff like that, that I just like kind of was expecting more of in this movie and it felt like it was a little light on them. Right. I think like, again, it just feels like, like if you'd gotten rid of like him going to see his dad and like going to see uh, Donnie at the dirt bike place, if you just had more of them, like maybe if the entire thing was just them like getting like meals at places they like and like working on the mechanics of killing themselves. Like it would have been funnier. Like you would just would have had more opportunity to like vibe with them rather than hitting these points that it like felt like, you know, we've randomly stumbled into the United States of Leland. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that I finally said that movie name and someone responded to it. Oh, what a movie that was. That is a hell of a movie bill did you ever see the united states of leland what the the united United states of leland
1: yeah you repeating it doesn't doesn't
0: help the the united states of leland (laughs) okay you know the movie where ryan gosling
2: murders a mentally disabled kid and is the the hero
0: of the movie who we sympathize with
1: interesting
0: (laughs) you should, I'm going to say it right now. You should watch it because it is hard to believe it exists. Um, the way that Mitchell described it is in, in no way incorrect. <laughs> um, it stars Ryan Gosling, Don Cheadle, Kevin Spacey, Chris Klein, Jenna Maloney, Martin Donovan, Michelle Williams, Carrie Washington, Lena All right. Matt Malloy, Michael Pena. <laughs> I I love thinking about this movie and I still need to know how it got made. I need to find Matthew Ryan Hoge <laughs> who directed The United States of Leland and one other movie four years earlier and has done <laughs> literally nothing since. I think I know that they covered it on the B side. I think that it was the
2: Gosling episodes. So I can't remember if they got into like why Why this movie exists this is season but...
0: 5 of Serial <laughs> yeah. I just need to know yeah. every step of funding writing, producing and directing because it was written and directed by the one guy and he, yeah. he created this and he got some of the brightest stars of Hollywood <laughs> to all get together in 2003 and yeah. create the United States of Leland you can mm-hmm. watch it on stars right now Anyway, um, do we have any final thoughts on on the count of three or the United <laughs> States of Leland or any other crazy ass early 2000s, uh, uh, you know, indie films? There is a
2: very I can't remember. I do not know how it holds up, but have you ever seen the movie called Manic
0: from 2001 with Don Cheadle? no, no, no I don't think so
2: it's it's a movie that takes place in a mental health facility with like a bunch of kids joseph gordon levitt's like the lead it's like don Cheadle oh and gordon levitt are like the leads i think Zoe in it. In it, yeah yeah i i liked it when i was um a suicidal 15 year old kid i do not know how it holds up it probably does not hold up well because it is a movie from that time period trying to tackle that kind of stuff yeah i just but- need to
0: like watch this and girl interrupted
2: <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it there definitely was... is post girl interrupted kind of movie.
0: Yeah, it feels like it. Yeah, because that's <laughs> like the the framing device of the United States of Leland is that like Don Cheadle's running like a group therapy. That's the thing. Don Cheadle was just like, this is my niche right now. Like. <laughs> He's I'm like in my a, pocket doing these. What, I don't even know the way to put it. He's like a, a non-threatening black She's man who feels like he could be a teacher, but also I has like like a little bit of an edge to him. And so they're like, just keep giving him to troubled white teenagers.
2: Isn't he the psychiatrist in Rain Over Me too? That's like his job in that. He's Adam Adam Sandler's like psychiatrist. There's oh, also like- a movie called. There's a movie called The Dog Problem with him and Giovanni Ribisi, him and Giovanni Ribisi which I have seen, and it is not good. I thought it Rain
0: Over Me he was like Adam Sandler's friend, but he's definitely like the mentally stable one. Because Adam yeah, Sandler's yeah, yeah. like, my wife died in was, 9-11. Geez, what?
2: <laughs> Don Cheadle in mental health movies. He's really
0: He's <laughs> got that vibe, man. He calmed Washington, he D.C. after Martin Luther King Jr. was shot in the the great movie Talk to Me. That is a really good movie. It is a good movie. Um, anyway, <laughs> what we <I> talking about? <laughs> I think we're done. I don't <laughs> I mean, think I have any other thoughts on on the count of
2: three, but check out talk to me if you haven't seen that.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Don Cheadle.
2: Um, have they done
0: a Don Cheadle B side yet?
2: I don't think they have. I think I pitched it, um, but I don't think they've done it. They I should. I'm going to get
0: back on the B side because I love being there for Jet Li, but yeah, that's a good episode. Thank you. Uh, Bill Graham, any final thoughts? I'm good. All right, go see see the United States of Leland available on (laughs) Stars uh, with Prime Video channels. Um, There you go. uh, Anyway, so it's been a great episode. Uh, I'm just calling it. I have have absolutely no. (laughs) Once once Leland gets
2: brought up you kind of have to you've got about 15 more minutes before you gotta wrap it up
0: yeah so next year uh is gonna be the 20th anniversary of the united states of leland <laughs> and we're gonna talk about it <laughs> and it's gonna be great and robin's not here to tell me no so i'm putting it on the calendar <laughs> it's gonna be the first episode after the new year because that's how excited i am to talk about it yeah, it's um, right anyway 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 uh go to patreon.com slash show to give us your money uh, you get access to our Slack channel where you can talk about Letterboxd and stuff and, uh, you know, yell at people and uh, find out whose favorite actor on Earth is Christopher Abbott. I can't. I feel like they said he was like super handsome or something. It was a very weird. It was a very weird conversation. He's um, an attractive man. I don't. We didn't have time to get into it. But if if this and good time have taught me anything, never trust a scruffy looking white dude with a shit yeah. in my job. Yeah, don't. Trust they will anyone. fucking ruin your life. <laughs> um,
1: uh, uh, it, it, uh, what, is, what does someone say? He says uh, about Abbott's hair. He says, "What was, was it? it?"
2: Oh, I know. It what, was, I know it. the line you're thinking of. I can't remember what it is. Damn it! He
1: says ramen noodle hair right yeah there you go, there
0: you go. I, was, I was and like, i just laughed i was like god oh, damn the it screener has expired so we can't go back and find out. Oh, that is man. a good line yep um anyway robin what are we talking about next week you said robin i know i know oh, okay. and i'm gonna leave i'm gonna leave some silence yep nope nope she's not here um so the next episode We are going to do is actually going to be a retro review, which we were going to do last week, but our guest was unable to do it last week, but she is able to do it this Thursday at 8 p.m. (laughs) So we're, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you guys. I don't even know if we're then doing something on Sunday and Monday as well. You're going to get a couple episodes after us uh, real quick. Um, The next episode will involve our perennial great guest, Mary Beth, here to talk about The Secret of Nim the fantastic feature filmmaking debut of Don Bluth. I'm very excited to talk about it. Uh, It was mine. It was my selection for a retro review. It didn't even win the poll, and we're still talking about it first (laughs) because my life is charmed. Um, Anyway, so look forward to that. And uh, don't forget to uh, go to MUBI, MUBI.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial subscription to movie. MUBI.com slash film stage. Uh, so that is it. Let's tell the fine people at home where it can be found between now and the next time that we uh, talk way too much about our own mental health issues. Uh, Bill Graham, where can people find your work online? Oh, no. Let's start with our guests. Yeah. I was Mitchell. like, what? I, look, Robin F. <laughs> being throwing everything off. Uh, yeah. You can find me on
2: Twitter at it is Mitchell or on Letterboxd at letterboxcom slash Mitchell. Um, yeah. My work's at Letterbox film stage based playlists, all those good places, uh, basically
0: just follow me on Twitter. Anything that I write will be posted on there. Excellent. All right. Now, Bill Graham, where can people find your stuff online? Uh, you can
1: find me on Twitter at cablebfg, but I don't tweet much. Uh, you can also find me mixing it up in the Slack channel where I have actually been mixing it up yes, in the Slack channel. You have channel. been Mixing <laughs> it up once more after a yes. period
0: of non-mixing. Yes. Where you were just folding. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Joke for just all fold it in just, just fold it in just fold it
1: in there we go um yeah uh, and you can find me on instagram at billstagram where i post a lot of other fun things like uh, i did a track weekend with my vehicle so
0: yay yay all right as for me, um, you can find <laughs> all my stuff on uh, Twitter at Brian Geroen, Facebook Brian Giroin, uh Instagram Brian and Letterboxd Brian and I'm pretty sure that's it. I don't think I'm on anything else. If, if I am, I apologize because I have not posted there in forever. Um, you can also find my personal site, com, and you can find all my writing and stuff and every episode of this year's podcast or at filmstage.com. And if you're going to be in the D.C. area on May 21st, you... Should come to the art show that we were throwing at my distillery. That is installation distillation. Go to schmidspirits.com for information about that. And uh to uh, purchase tickets, uh use the offer code inkwell for 50% off. Anyway, that is it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next time.